Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Sports Section Morning Show, episode eight, I think. Episode eight, man. Fine Friday, July 14th. As of recording, well, live streaming, we well, we're doing both. DeAndre Hopkins ain't signed yet, but but the sports books are saying we're the most likely to sign him. I'm gonna jump right into that. So on Wednesday, I want to say, Wednesday, I get I want to say, I get a text. Get a text from a good buddy of mine. Phone starts blowing up. About two or three buddies text me. So they all send me an attachment. First one, I, I don't have the names on my phone. So when I see the attachments pop up, it's just like attachment, attachment, attachment. I'm thinking, oh, hell, I got it. I got excited. I thought my girl had texted me or something. I opened it up and see their names. I was like, God damn. But I saw the second best thing when I opened the pictures. They changed the odds. Sports books. Started with uh, started one of the smaller sports books, but then everybody started to follow suit. DeAndre Hopkins went from he was in the night the night before he was around plus five hundred to sign for the Titans and the Patriots was the favorites. That is completely turned on his head, and DeAndre Hopkins is now favored to go to the Tennessee Titans. Let's get a round of applause for that. <laughs> round of applause. It ain't done yet. It ain't done yet, but we're getting close. I think training camp's right around the corner. TFTV will try and be there, of course, give you all some content there. But those odds have turned on their head. DeAndre Hopkins is now favored to go to the Tennessee Titans at around negative 150, I want to say. Negative 150, and then the Patriots are at like plus 200, and then the Chiefs are at plus 400. So a good development on the DeAndre Hopkins front. And it just brings up the conversation again of where this team is at if DeAndre Hopkins becomes a Titan. You know, we have we have questions at the offensive line position. I think I've seen a poll come out. These polls are bullshit in the offseason, too, by the way. Ain't nobody seen nobody with no pads on. This is just going off of air work and names on the on the sheet. We both know that's not how football fucking works. You get to especially a team like the Titans. Nitty gritty, physical. You know, that's gonna show up on Sunday. That don't show up on polls in in uh July and June. That, you know, that shows up for the Chiefs and, and the Bengals and, you know, the, the, the darling teams of the year. Your Chargers, they look good in June and July. They always look good in June and July. But the Titans look good in December and November more times than not. That's why I'd rather look good is November, December, and January compared to looking good in a goddamn poll in, uh, in June or July. Fuck that. Fuck that. But it brings the question. With DeAndre Hopkins, admittedly, we got holes at the offensive line and questionably the quarterback position, but that offensive line has improved from last year. And offensive line last year was a trend, or atrocious, but we still half-ass, I ain't going to say half-ass move the ball. I can't even tell that lie. This offensive line's improved. So that's that. It's improved at left tackle. You don't have Dennis Daly there. I've, I'm, I'm about done talking about Dennis Daly. I need Dillard to come in and do his thing. So I can stop talking about Dennis Daly, but I'm so traumatized by that left tackle play that we've seen all last year. It's some of the worst left tackle play I've seen. I've seen junior pro left tackles block better than Dennis Daly. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. The offensive line's gotten a little better. The receiving core is weak at the moment, but with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, that's a serviceable group. That's a serviceable group with DeAndre Hopkins spearheading that receiver room. He's going to get the lion's share of the targets. He's going to command some uh, some attention from the defense. Of course, Henry's going to command a lot of attention, but DeAndre Hopkins would be one to keep him honest. 
And with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, that allows Chig and Birch to really shine as complimentary pieces instead of forcing them to feel like they have to be the man. And that just leads to mistakes, especially with young players. Leave that responsibility to DeAndre Hopkins. Let Burks, let Chig go out there and play free and be the best they can be as young talents. That's the best way to get the best out of this offense, in my opinion. The defense is going to be the defense. I'm a little worried about the uh, I'm a little worried about the subtraction of Jim Schwartz. He was a assistant defensive coordinator or something of that nature. He was really involved last year. He was a former defense coordinator way, way, way back in the day under Jeff Fisher. Really talented. Really talented guy. But he's left, and he's now the defense coordinator of the Browns. And I think Jim Schwartz had quite a bit to do with us being able to get a lot of pressure with our four-man fronts. Because a staple of Jim Schwartz's is that wide nine, uh, a lot of stunts, a lot of uh, inverted rushes and whatnot. That's a staple of Jim Jones, or I said Jim Jones, Jim Schwartz. Pulling Jim Schwartz's uh, philosophy. And it shows up on every team he's on. It showed up on the Eagles when he was with the Eagles. It showed up with us when he was with us this past year. And we'll see it in Cleveland in week four, I think, or week three. It's going to be an ugly sight. I ain't going to lie to you. But with the, with the subtraction of Jim Schwartz, we also have Harold Landry coming back into the fold. And Harold Landry is extremely important to this defense. You know, he, he allows Bowen and Vrabel to really be creative with their blitz packages are just bringing, 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 a, bringing a rush, period, because Landry allows them to, you know, maybe line up with a nickel outside of him or line up to a nickel, line up with a nickel back uh, opposite of him. And Landry can drop back into one of the hook curl or the flat zones. You know, we didn't really have a DN last year or outside backer that could do that. I saw Bud dropping back in coverage and almost had a heart attack. You know, it's just it don't look it don't look fluid. That's not his game. Landry is able to do that, and he's able to rush the passer to a really good, really good effect. Then the the inside backer core. I mean, that's there's a lot of promise there. The way our inside backers, we just need them flying to the ball and making plays. It's it's really simple for them. And the the uh, the the DBs got a year of growth there. I think it'll be great. Defense is going to be excellent, in my opinion. It's just whether or not DeAndre Hopkins brings enough offensively to the team to where we can score, you know, shit, maybe 20-some points. All we need is 20. If we score 20 to 24 points, we should win nine out of 10 games. If we do that 10 times, we should win the game eight out of nine, eight out of 10 times at least, unless we're facing a, a damn powerhouse like the Chiefs or something. But even then, we have held them. I mean, Mahomes, and this is this came up in the quarterback doc. If y'all ain't watched that, by the way, we're going to get to that later on in the show. Mahomes was very high of Vrabel and the Belichick influence that Vrabel has on that defense. So even if we're facing a powerhouse like the Chiefs or the Bills, Vrabel has had quite a bit of success against the Chiefs, believe it or not, especially in the regular season. You know, the playoffs are a different breed. But in the regular season, Vrabel has beat them two out of three times. And then the third time he beat them, they only scored, they only dropped like 24 on us. And that's when we had Malik Willis at quarterback. So, a young, uh, inexperienced Malik Willis at quarterback. So, I'm really optimistic, especially if we get Hopkins about the season, man. It's going to be, I mean, it, it, that brings us into the fold. That brings us into the fold. So, y'all let me know 
YouTube, Twitch, comments. Y'all let me know where does uh where do y'all think the Titans end up if we get DeAndre Hopkins? I know I asked the question last week, but that was a little tongue in cheek. We got some <laughs> we got some uh some actual validness to the shit this week. Favorite to go to the Tennessee Titans. All right. Let's stay in the AFC South. Let's stay in the AFC South. We're going to talk about the Colts. I know we hate talking about them. Sorry, motherfuckers. But I got a Colts fan that's calling in about the comments from Jim Ursay. And I'll explain this before I call him in Call him in right now. So Jim Ursay says he's talking to uh, the Pat McAfee show, I want to say. This was last week, early last week, I want to say. Probably not mid last, midweek, midweek, midweek. He said it's going to be tough for Anthony Richardson as a rookie, but he has to play. For Anthony Richardson, this is direct quote. For Anthony Richardson, it's going to be tough. We know that, but he has to play to get better. I mean, there's no question. Gardner Minshew could play, come out, and obviously play better early on, just being a veteran. But we have to get Anthony on the field, and that's Shane's call. Shane's the head coach, the new head coach of the Colts. Shane's call when we decide to do it. So I will be calling a Colts fan right now to see what he thinks about those quotes and what he thinks about Anthony Richardson and what he. What his expectations are for the season. Y'all bear with me one second. Rob, what are you telling me, man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Um, so I'm glad you brought up that quote because uh, I'll be honest, I'm pretty scared about what he said about that. <laughs> what, what makes you scared about it? You don't think uh, you don't think Richardson's ready? I mean, he started plenty of games in college. He started eight or 13 games in college. You ain't, You don't think he's ready? <laughs> no, I don't think he's ready at all. I uh, I know they have that stat about his receivers dropping so many balls, but um, when I just look at just his game logs, and really the only game I watched, truthfully, was uh, him against Kentucky, but that about scared me off. Oh, man, that was terrible. Well so we, we don't even need to talk about that game because we got Levis. So we don't even need to yeah. talk about that game. That game never happened. Yeah. It was bad on both ends, but I'll go ahead and just read the completions and temps real quick um, for his 2022 20, uh, game log. Uh, so his last game against Florida State, he was 9 for 27. Vanderbilt, he was 25 for 42, which isn't that bad, but it's Vanderbilt. Yeah, it's Vanderbilt. South Carolina, 11 for 23. Then... It says not bad. Texas A&M, he was 17 for 28. But. I think if you if you take those games and you factor in the drops, so his completion percentage was around 55 or 58%. It was He was closer. He, him and Levis were really similar in that aspect. But if you take the just the terrible drops that they had, his completion percentage was, you know, something decent, something to write home about. Yeah. I guess one thing that worries me, too, um, what is uh, Josh Allen's? Uh, QB coach. Uh, I don't know who's Greg, QB coach, but let me Greg see. Greg Vanilli. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I listened to an interview that uh, I think it's locked on Colts had with him. Mm-hmm. And he was basically saying that his mechanics are fixable, just mainly just with his feet work. Yeah. And I guess uh, since he really doesn't use his lower half a lot, which to me is insane with how strong his arm is. Exactly. Um, but since he doesn't use his feet well, um, they're going to have to redo that basically with him in the pocket. That's that, that's kind of hard to fix. 
in the midst of a NFL season when you're trying to learn the playbook in conjunction with learning defenses in the NFL because you don't really it's not the AFC South or the old you know we got some defensive minds in the AFC South now and D'Amico Ryan's down in Houston Vrabel in uh in Tennessee so that that's got to be worrying too yeah exactly that's that ties it up well um you know I don't I don't think he'll be ready to go to start and it doesn't sound like uh he'll start right away from whatever um Ursay had said. Coach um, Coach Ursay wanted him starting soon, didn't he? Yeah. But it sounds like they want Minshew to start right away and mm-hmm. then at least hand the keys to AR eventually after that. But you know, the upside is great. Oh, yeah, AR, of course. Of course. But um, you know, I don't think this is a situation where um He's going to learn right away, like Manning and Luck did, which Manning's first year with Colts was god awful. Yeah, it was horrendous. Know that. But, um, you know, he turned out to be a Hall of Famer, and, you know, he's mentally tough to be able to handle that. Are you predicting that for Richardson? Predicting what? It, what turned out to be a Hall of Famer. He's mentally tough. Oh, God, I wish. Hey. <laughs> Hey, we are successful with QBs. Oh, yeah, y'all are. Y'all are. Y'all do have that in y'all's bag. Give me Uh, a – what do y'all think – when do you think, if you were to give a prediction just off the top of your head – first off, when's y'all's bye week? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't know. Let me see. Because I was about to say, when do you think that Anthony Richardson would be in there starting this year if you were to predict it? Like, I think me with the Titans, I think – We'd have a change by Halloween. That's what I'm saying. Halloween. Yeah. We got a bye week right before that, I think, and then we play Atlanta at home, and we got an easy stretch after that. Y'all's bye week is week 11. Yeah. Uh, I could say early on, like week five or week six because we play the Jags, Texans, Ravens, Rams, and then Titans again. Yeah, so y'all look at y'all's ass with week again. five, and then he'll probably make a change going into the Jacksonville game, but that Jacksonville game might be tough. But here's the thing. So y'all play Jacksonville, Houston, Baltimore, uh, the Rams, us, Jacksonville again, and then Cleveland. So that first seven weeks is not, that ain't gravy. Now, y'all play all y'all division games early. That's weird. That is weird. That's pretty shitty. Yeah, that is. And you know, honestly, I don't. I could see Houston not being like a great team to start off with, but just being a sneaky team too. Oh, yeah. so I really don't see that as like a win at all. Definitely with Colts. Shit, they were sneaky but, last year, and we find a way to split with them, even when they're bad every year. That's true. I thought their defense was pretty good last year. And that's without Ryan's. Um, you know, that, that was with Lovey Smith and D'Amico Ryan's. I think he's going to have that defense right. But um, just to put a bow on the AR comment, so um, I uh, I don't know. It sounds like a long-term fix or maybe not long-term, but maybe more than a year's fix and Ursay being Ursay. Um, 
he likes to have control, and he's part of the reason why we got rid of Carson Wentz right away. Right. Um, may not have been the worst idea, but no, I think um, that was the best. The best thing for y'all was to get rid of him, to be honest. But then we brought in Matt Ryan, who had uh, twenty turnovers in seven games. So I think that was a like panic. A, that was a panic trade, in my opinion. You know, that was that was just, he was the best thing on the market at the time, and it's sort of like us trading for Julio. There's a little bit, little bit of glimmer of hope there. You'd think he'd come in and be, you know, above serviceable, but he ain't even serviceable. Yeah, no, he, he definitely wasn't that. Yeah. But so let me uh, flip this on to you real quick. Mm-hmm. Who would you rather face at QB against the Colts whenever you guys play Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson? I'd rather face Richardson. It depends what time of the year. We've always had trouble with Minshew, you know, even when he was at Jacksonville. I don't know what the hell he has on us, but he I mean, he's just a, a playmaker. He has a he's a little I mean, he's mobile. We have a problem with, you know, mobile quarterbacks that aren't overly mobile, but, you know, sneaky mobile like Mahomes and your Minshews and whatnot. But we play y'all. Let me see when we play y'all. We play y'all early and then I think we play y'all late. We play y'all week 13 and week five. So if it's week five, I'd rather face Richardson, if that makes sense, because he's going to be a little little wet behind the ears. And I think Vrabel will put him through hell with all the disguises that we have defensively. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd much rather face Richardson early and that late game, we'll probably face him anyway. So I'd say Richardson, honestly. Because Minshew, you he's seen a lot in the NFL. Richardson ain't really seen seen as much as you know as Minshew has. And when you when we've got Vrabel fucking rotating rotating to a different coverage every down, mind fucking Richardson, you know, that's that's gonna be a problem. It's gonna slow him down, slow his feet down, and if he slows his feet down in that pocket, it's over with our pass rush. You know, because our pass yeah. rush is going to be healthy this year. Knock on wood. But we got Landry coming back. Autry's, you know, ready to go with Simmons and then Weaver and whatever on the uh, as the fourth D lineman. So I think well, our defense is going to be nasty, to be honest. I will say, though, I am excited about things like and working with uh, AR because that seems like a good fit. That's what I'm worried about is uh is the contingent from Philly that it worked with Hurts previously working with Richardson. I'm worried about Richardson, honestly, as a Titans fan. I think he'll do well eventually. I'm not too worried this year, but you can't really say you're worried about any rookie quarterbacks this year the way the class was. I mean, Stroud is only going to be as good as his receiving core is, and he's got Tank Dell and Robert Woods, so I'm not really worried about him. <laughs> but no. the only the only quarterback I'm worried about in the division is Trevor Lawrence and then whatever quarterback we put out in the Titans. Those are the two quarterbacks I'm worried about. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, that's fair. So yeah, man. What is uh? What's your prediction for the Colts? What do you think y'all are gonna do this year? I have no clue. <laughs> you are you hoping for wild card? Maybe. God, I'm. I'd be happy with seven wins. Mm. <laughs> I really don't. Which you know that would put us in a bad position for drafting, but that's I'm not really thing. expecting much. That's the thing. For me, if I have a team that I know is not going to make the Super Bowl or playoffs, I'm not going to say I hope they lose, but it's really counterproductive in the grand scheme of things when you're in that middle ground of 8 and 8 or what's 8 and 9 now and you're drafting in the, the you know, middle half of the first middle to top half of the first round, you're sort of missing out on those elite talents, you know? That's the sort of shitty part where you can get in a little graveyard of the NFL. That's where the Titans were for years. 
Yeah, you guys definitely were just in that uh, slot. Always seemed like. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeff Fisher, God dang, he he went eight and eight, probably ten years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good enough to keep his job, but yeah. <laughs> uh, not exactly what y'all want. Right, but oh man, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I think the AFC South is getting better. I think Houston will be better. And, of course, Jacksonville and Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Um, so I really don't expect much from the Colts this season. Um, so we'll just see what happens with AR um, and just see who takes the keys to the car. At least you'll have reason to be excited, you know, with, with Richardson. and something to look forward to compared to having Ryan, yeah, you know. So that's that's a good uh, feeling to have. But this year for y'all was always going to be, uh, you know, just a not a bogey year, but a just a yeah. just a buffer year, you know, for next year to to be ready for next year. I don't know what y'all's cap situation looks like or y'all's core, but you know, this is always going to be a rebuilding year. Yeah, that's what it is. So, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll still enjoy talking shit to the Colts and you know and beating the hell up, <laughs> beating the hell on y'all, which I think we'll do this year. Maybe I don't know. You'll never know with us. We don't ever know with y'all. But we always have close games. But yeah, yeah man. That's, that's fun. But hey, thanks for taking my call. No problem, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. All right. That's Rob, man. Colts fan. Calling in about his views and uh, opinions of Anthony Richardson and whether he'll be starting with Indianapolis. So me personally, I don't. Like I said to him, he he posed a good question. About who would who would I rather face as a Titan Titans fan between Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew? And personally, I'd rather face Richardson. Yeah, he's a little more dynamic than Minshew, but he's he's green a little bit. He's not Vrabel is gonna the way we disguise our coverages on the back end and disguise our our blitzes or if we blitz at all, being able to bring pressure with only rushing four. And the coverage is being so disguised on the back end, that spells trouble for young quarterbacks. You know, we up until last year, I think we had a horrendous record against rookies, rookie quarterbacks, which I don't understand. But for a player like Richardson, who is green with the amount of games he's played in college, a quarterback, and, you know, not having much experience in the NFL, that bodes well for the Titans, in my opinion. It really does. So. I'd much rather face Richardson, especially early in week five. That should be a that should be a gimme game. Well, it ain't never a gimme game in the NFL, but that should be one that we go up there and beat the shit out of them and come back, to be honest. That late game in week 13, week 14, that could be a little more difficult. But um I'm still not not high enough on the Colts to say I predicted for them to, you know, I predicted for them for them to get swept by us anyway. So Anthony Richardson don't really change change none of that for me. Now, if he starts balling out in the beginning of the season, if he gets in there, then maybe. But I still see us sweeping the Colts. Chat, y'all let me know what y'all think the Titans will do against the Colts this year. Do you think we'll sweep, split? Y'all let us know in the comments on YouTube, Twitch. Make sure y'all subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Twitch, and follow all the socials at TFTV Sports, Instagram and threads, TFTV.sports. All right. Let's get into some Nashville SC talk. Nashville SC talk. Game against Philadelphia Union. A couple of them, midweek. Midweek game against Philadelphia Union, man. It was, Nashville was unlucky. They were really unlucky not to, 
finish their chances. Uh, they had, let me say, 18 shots to Philadelphia's nine, three shots on target to Philadelphia's five with 58 possession, possession of the ball. Nashville did. So, you know, it's just really, really unlucky, and it just boils down to just not having that clinical striker up front. Burnberry missed a fucking sitter. Missed a fucking sitter. It was terrible. Burnberry did, man. Irritates the fuck out of me. But the penalty, the first penalty was, uh, I think, McNaughton. So they get a cross in from the, from the left half space. McNaughton's defending the far post. Guy jumps up. McNaughton almost kills him. Throws him into the, uh, <laughs> the post. Damn near hits the post, hits his head on the post. I said, I saw the shit. I said, damn. Of course, it's a penalty. They convert. We're not lucky enough to have Matt Turner in, in between the sticks to save them penalties. But the second one, that was also, in my opinion, that was also a penalty, man. You can't, he just took him out after he delivered the cross. You can't do that, man. Especially with the, a shameless and horrific referee that we had that night that wanted, thought he could control the game and wanted to control the game, but had no control of the game. You know, he wanted to put his imprint on the game. And he did that with two penalties. So Nashville hit the post fucking five, five, six times, maybe. It was tough. It was tough. Mutar got a ball through the lines, turned, going down the right channel, chips it over the keeper, hits the center of the cross post. It's just, man, it was tough. It was tough. It's just one of those games where it just don't fall your way. And it sucks that we got Lovitz as a red card or left back and then Shaq Moore. He got a red card, which is a soft red card to me. But both of them would be out for the game against Cincinnati on Saturday. So that's a huge, huge loss that we can't afford to have against a team like Cincinnati, who's been the best in the MLS so far. Tough. Saturday, tomorrow will be tough. Will be tough. On that red card with Shaq Moore, I thought the shit was soft, to be honest. I mean, you always have players running together. And yeah, they hit a they had a little extracurricular with, with the shoving afterwards. But that's not red card worthy. I've seen people elbowed, get elbowed in the face intentionally going up for headers and such. And that's not a red card. And that's way more mischievous and devious than with Shaq Moore and the running he had together with the Philadelphia player. I think that just goes to the, the terrible refereeing and the referee trying to put his stamp on the game when he just never had control at any point. At any point. Y'all let me know what y'all's predictions are for Nashville SC against uh, FC Cincinnati coming up tomorrow on Saturday. It's going to be tough, man. I'm predicting a... I'd love to say a 1-1 draw. That's what I think I'm going to go with. I think we'll go up there. It'd be good to get a point against Cincinnati. So I predict a 1-1 draw between Nashville SC and FC Cincinnati tomorrow. So that's a, that'd be a good point gotten, to be honest, with the way Cincinnati are playing and where they're at in the standings. So you can't complain about a point, especially away from home. So on some brighter news for Nashville, let's see. According to uh, Valer Shabila, apologies if I butchered your name, Nashville, let's see, are pursuing Nottingham Forest striker Sam Surge, 24-year-old Englishman scored once in his 20 Premier League Premier League season. I'm butchering this shit. Can't read. 20 Premier League appearances last year. He scored nine in a championship the year before that with Nottingham Forest. Was integral to them getting promotion. Uh, in his career, he has 52 goals in 213 games. And he's a young player. 
He's a young player, 24 years old. He's exactly, exactly the frame that I spoke about before. And we've had, that's been echoed by a couple of TFTV members that have talked about what they look for in a Nashville SC striker, Austin in particular. But he's that big body striker that you can throw the ball up top to and he'll bring it down and sort of lay it off to his teammates. I've seen clips of him there because Nottingham Forest, they play in the Premier League at least, and even in the championship, they played long a little bit. And they would play the ball long to him. He'd cushion the ball with either his, his thigh or his, you know, his boot and was just able to lay it off. And that'll be great for the way Nashville play with the runners they have in Leal, Mukhtar, and Schaufelberg. It'd be perfect for him late in games. But he's 6'4 or 6'3, British, playing for Nottingham Forest from slow United Kingdom, and he's only 24 years old. So a young striker, and Nottingham Forest bought him for two and a half million pounds from, well, it, it says two million pounds, 1.85 million euros, something like that, from Stoke City in January of 2022. So he hasn't really, beyond the season and the championship, he hasn't really performed for Nottingham Forest because they got promoted and then they sort of gutted their whole team and brought in a bunch of new talent for the Premier League season because you can't, can't compete in the Premier League with championship talent. You know, that uh, I think Cooper's our manager. He's just not good enough to do that. So Serge was sort of taking a back seat this past year in the Premier League, but he hasn't really, he hasn't really had the confidence and the consistent run minutes to perform on the platform that Nottingham Forest has given them. So for Nashville to buy him, I don't think they should pay any more, if not a little bit more than what Nottingham Forest paid for him. You know, they only paid 1.85 million euros. So I think that's around 2.2 million. I would I wouldn't want Nashville to go over over four, four million dollars at the absolute most. But he should be able to get to get brought in for two, two to three million dollars, in my opinion. If we get him for that price, that'll be excellent because he has a lot of sell on value with him being young. So, you know. And this might be a temporary move for him to come to MLS, bag a bunch of goals, and get a move elsewhere in Europe. And if that is, so be it. We'll a DP a spot open. We'll get some good money for him. And, you know, we're not just pegged with having an older striker like Pookie with no resale value. So I'm really excited about the link. He was spotted in Nashville last month with uh, the GM of Nashville SC. So that was at the Nashville, you know, BNA at the Nashville airport. So there's the links are substantial. And with Nashville, let's see, the links normally don't come out until, you know, they want it to come out. They're pretty they keep a tight ship over there. So a quick breakdown on uh, on Sam Surridge. I keep wanting to call him Sturridge. If he if he performs like Daniel Sturridge, man, we'd be in business. We'd win everything. So first, I'll explain the XG and what XG is. It's a statistic that they use to evaluate teams and players with, uh, you know, you can sort of correlate it with how good of a finisher they are. So I'll read this very simply. XG, which is expected goals, is probability of a shot that results in a goal based on the characteristics of that shot and the events leading up to it. So it's out of zero to one, with zero being a, a terrible chance and one being a guaranteed chance to finish. And I might be explaining this a little wrong, but the synopsis of it is you want a player, a great finisher will perform 
at or above their XG. For example, Hani Mukhtar last season, MVP season, scored 23 goals on 19.43 XG. He outperformed his XG. So he was only expected to score 19 goals with the chances that fell to his feet. He scored 23 with those. So that would show you can draw a correlation that Mukhtar, the data backs up that he's a very good finisher. And, you know, the data backs it up. The eye test backs it up. Another example on the other end of the spectrum, Bunbury. We saw what the hell he did midweek. This season, two goals on 3.7, almost four XG. That's a poor finisher. He's two goals below. He's expected to score four goals. He only scored two goals out of those four. So if you expound on that and make it to where it's close to, to Heine, out of 20, he would only score 10 goals. Out of the 20 goals he's expected, he would only score 10. I say all that for Surge in 2021-2022. That's the best sample size we have because he didn't play many minutes in uh, the Premier League last year. So that's not really, that's not, you can't really say that or, you know, bring that into this equation. But year before last in the championship, he had nine goals on 11.74 XG. So much better finisher than Burnberry. Not as good of a finisher as Mukhtar, but he's a, he's a decent finisher, a clinical finisher. And that is against championship competition. So they say it doesn't really take it into account the competition. But if you're facing championship and Premier League goalkeepers versus coming over to face MLS goalkeepers, your XG should bounce up just a little bit, you know, just off the level of competition alone. So if I were to prorate that out, I would say Surge over here in Nashville in the MLS, he would probably perform at or around his XG, which would be excellent for Nashville. Company that with his big body frame, his aerial ability is not really the best, which is odd enough. He doesn't win. He doesn't win aerial duels as much as he should. And I'm not sure if that's because the championship is a much rougher league and he was really young. So hopefully that would that would improve once he would get get to Nashville. Excuse me. But his clinical finishing is going to be amazing for for the uh, for Nashville. Let's see. So what else? With assists, he provided three assists in that year also in the championship for Nottingham Forest. Three assists on 2.71 XA, which is the same as XG, it's just X assists. So he can create some chances for his teammates, which would be very good for Nashville also. Relieve some of that creative burden off of Mukhtar and Leal. And I just think he'd do extremely well if Nashville were able to pick him up. He would slot right into the side, and I think he'd be great. I think he would be excellent. Here's some other statistics for uh, for Surge. So this is in uh, the same season, that 2021-2022 championship season. Uh, for the percentile rank versus forwards, other forwards in that league, he ranked in the 97th percentile, for 97th percentile, which is extremely good, and non-penalty XG. So that's his XG not taking into account penalties. So mostly better than all other forwards in that respect. 97th percentile in shots taken. So he takes the shots when he has the chances. He's not one to try and lay it off. He's a little bit selfish in that respect. That's something you'd want in a striker. His non-penalty XG plus his XAG is in the 96th percentile. So top of the league in that. And in his shot-creating actions, he's in the 79th percentile. So he creates chances with his movement. Well, he's I would consider him more of a poacher. 
that also is able to run the lines and run the channels a little bit. But he's able to, in the clips that I've seen of him, he's able to make space for himself in a box, which is very, very important. If Nashville tries to go to a more position oriented or a possession oriented system with the diamond and try and control games a little bit more, which they have been doing in the past past few weeks. They just haven't been able to convert those chances. A striker like Serge, who's a poacher in a box that is able to create space for himself, be an aerial presence because he stands at 6'4", is very important in breaking down teams that will be in their low block. You could cross the ball into him, which Nashville has a big tendency of doing, is flying down the flank, throwing crosses in. He has a soft enough touch from what I've seen to where he can interlink and combine with the other forwards, whether that's Mukhtar or Leal, uh, combining with him in the interplay. And once again, he just creates space for himself and he's clinical when he has that space and the ball falls to his feet. So like I said, in the aerial duels, he's not the best aerially, which probably in my opinion might have more so to do with the championship. That's a really physical league. He's only in the 69th percentile and aerials one nice. And he's good on corners. That'd be with the court, with the clearances. He's 87th percentile in clearances. So he would help us on corners defensively if we put him in the box to defend corners and uh, touches in the attacking penalty box. He's in the 94th percentile. So he's in the box. He's a presence in the box and he likes to have the ball in the box. So I think he would do extremely well with Nashville SC. We should be able to get him in for around $2 million, $3 million in my opinion. Any more than that would be a reach because you know, he hasn't really performed well beyond what he did that first season with Nottingham Forest in 2021-2022. So if we can buy him for what they bought him for, I think they will be happy with it. Y'all let me know in the comments, Nashville SC fans, are y'all excited about the potential signing of Sam Surridge? Where do y'all think he would end up with Nashville SC, whether starting or playing a bench role when he comes in? He'd, he'd definitely probably be starting, in my opinion. But y'all let me know. Y'all also let me know how well y'all think he'll do with Nashville SC. Goal tally and such with Mukhtar. Very, very important get if Nashville SC is able to get him. All right, moving on to the U.S. men's national team. They're lost to Panama in the Gold Cup semis on, I want to say, Wednesday. Might have been Wednesday. Matt Miazga. What a fucking idiot. So I'll just, I'll, I'll go right to him. Well, no, no, I'm not going to get into him yet. Or I'm, I'm going to save that for last. I'll explain what happened for those that didn't watch, weren't able to watch the game. So, overall, the U.S. men's national team in this tournament just really, frankly, wasn't good enough with the players that they picked at their disposal. And I get it, the good players are going to be want to pre, want to be at preseason with their clubs, especially European clubs, and in the the business end of the MLS. But you know, it it still wasn't good enough. Jesus Ferreira. Really bad miss in the 65th minute. Gets a ball cut back to him. He's around the penalty spot. Fucking blasts it. Not blasted, but pulls it wide. Left of the post. Should have been a goal. Redeemed himself later on with the excellent volley. Put it into the corner, into the right corner to tie the matchup. Excellent volley. But overall, the setup and the tactics really didn't fit him. He's a sort of smaller striker. Diminutive. You can't really play long balls to him. And expect him to, you know, be able to cushion the ball down and come down or win aerial duels. That's not his game. You know, he's sort of more interchanging, interlinking player. Keep the ball along the along the ground, 
that's the type of player he is. And they just didn't really didn't really cater to that. So I can't really give him too much stick. The misses, the miss that he had in the sixth minute, it was a terrible miss, but he made up for it later in the game. So can't really give him too much stick. He's got a lot of stick on Twitter, but I'm not here to do that for him, man. I he did what he did. He did as best as he could, in my opinion, with the tactics around him. You know, that's big for a striker. But, you know, it ends up going to PKs. And after, and I'll talk about Miazga. After Miazga hits his PK, he brings a level to, I think, 3-3 or something of that nature. He's walking back to the touchline, the halfway line. And the Panamanian player is walking down. The next penalty taker is walking down. Miazga gets in his face and starts yelling at him. Just completely classless. Just some of the worst. That's honestly some of the worst shit I've seen in a penalty kick, a penalty shootout in my life. That's just some shit you don't do. You got to have some class with. In that respect, I understand fucking with the keeper and, you know, talking shit to the keeper because that's a one on one battle. But this guy is coming up to take a PK. That's not you just don't do that shit, man. You just don't do that. So, of course, the guy comes and converts his, the Panamanian player converts his penalty. And then the U.S. men's national team misses their penalty, either the next one or the very next one after that. Karma. That's karma. You know, you just can't do certain things, Matt Biazga. And that's one of them. You know, that's some really unsportsmanlike shit. And, you know, you're not the most, the best player in the team, or you're not even a starting center back for the U.S. So, the gall to do that is just embarrassing. It embarrasses the U.S. men's national team. It's embarrassing to the fans of the team, especially when the shit don't come out the way you planned it to and Panama fucking wins on PKs. Just terrible. Terrible. So I ripped his ass on Twitter. And, you know, what I seen on Twitter, everybody was sort of feeling the same way I was. That was just classless and karma, you know. So that's what happens, man. You do dumb shit like that and you find out. And you find out. All right. So a little bit, little bit to go, a little bit to go. We got uh let's talk about Pulisic. Talk about Kristen Pulisic. He he showed a told the Italian reporters how to pronounce his name, said he was a little closer to Croatia. So it shouldn't be hard to pronounce his name. Pulisic is his name. So the move to AC Milan was confirmed. Uh he had his media done and all that. And I think he'll do really well there, to be honest. I've I've pondered on it a bit. And I think if they play him in the 10 position, and I've spoke on this in pods past, if they play him in the 10 position as they should, he's got the talent around him to be really good at AC Milan. You know, he needs to get the minutes that he needs, and he needs and he needs to get the confidence back. And I think he could do that in Milan. And they've got so much talent there, attacking talent. They've got Giroud there. They've got uh, you know, Rafa Leal, one of the best wingers in the league. And I think he'll do really well if he gets the minute that he's deserved. And let, let's talk about where it went wrong with Chelsea. Chat, y'all let me know where y'all think it went wrong with Chelsea. He was supposed to be, you know, Captain America, like they say, and they were pushing. He he didn't like how Chelsea was pushing that, pushing that script on him, honestly. He uh I've got a quote here from the athletic. But uh Pulisic's wariness, quote, wariness of being presented as Captain America and natural reluctance to engage in media and marketing duties frustrated Chelsea officials during his time with the club. So, you know, that sort of played a role. I'm sure that that caused some friction with Chelsea. They buy him. They want him to be 
the uh, the face of their American marketing. You know, he's supposed to be Captain America. He's one of the best players in the national team setup. That goes into the process of them buying him. You know, that's something that that's something that they thought about when they bought him. You know, that that all goes in when you spend big money on a player. That goes into you thinking about the return you'll get for him and his reluctance to do that probably really rubbed them the wrong way, management's perspective. Of course, they're under new management, and that has nothing to do with the layout and the tactics of how he was deployed at Chelsea, but it damn sure didn't help. It damn sure didn't help. The tactics-wise, when he was at Chelsea, you know, it was that was abysmal. Chelsea hasn't, they haven't really attacked well as a squad, as a team, since, you know, probably two or three years ago, since they won the Champions League, you know? And he played well that year. But since then, he had been deployed as a wingback, just played out of position. And even when he was played in position off the left, it wasn't in consistent minutes. So he could never get consistent time as a player and really build that confidence. Goes back to what I said about Surge. With attackers, if they don't have consistent minutes, it's hard for them to get into a rhythm and have that confidence that they exude on the field and to where they're able to score great goals and just have confidence with the ball at their feet. He was never able to really get that at Chelsea. And, you know, that just that did a detriment to him and just consistent or uh, just uh, was a part of why his form was so shaky throughout his tenure at Chelsea. Chat, let me know. Y'all are y'all happy about the AC Milan move? Y'all let me know in the YouTube comments if y'all are watching this after. Are y'all happy with the AC Milan move? Do y'all think he'll be well at the 10 position? How many goals and assists do you think he could get in the calendar year with AC Milan or in the over the course of the season? Chat saying, look how many uh, attacking players go there and don't do well. At some point, is it the player of the club? Of course, it's the player or the club at Chelsea. The club, one, it's, you know, the rotating door management uh, style that they have at Chelsea. They had, I think, Pulisic had, how many managers did he have at Chelsea? He had Lampard, uh, Tuchel, Lampard again, Potter, and I think that's it. He might have. I wonder if he had sorry, if he was there when sorry was there. I'm not sure, but that's four different stints of managers in your tenure. And he was only there for four years, give or take, or three years, or yeah, I think four years. So the tactics are, are not consistent. The players cannot consistently be in the same spaces like a Pep Guardiola team or Arteta team where players are in the same spaces consistently throughout a game and are able to problem solve when they're facing a low block and such of what works. They're constantly playing different positions, constantly being moved around. And the tactics aren't, they don't stay the same. Always changing. That's a big, big reason why Graham Potter was gone. He always changes tactics. So when you're an attacker and your tactics are always changing, it's really hard to get in a rhythm. Company that with not playing consistent minutes, every time you come in, it's, you know, two weeks from, from two weeks apart and you're playing a completely different system. How the hell can you get in a rhythm? You know, that's not Pulisic's fault. You, It's impossible to get into a rhythm at that point. So I blame Chelsea, man. It's not the players because all the players that have been at Chelsea have not performed as an attacker. They just spent 100 million euros on a striker in Lukaku who performed well in Serie A the year before and the year after he was at Chelsea. But when he's at Chelsea, it's it's abysmal. Any striker that's been there has been abysmal, not good. Even Broja, you know, and he was really good at Southampton. Southampton. So. 
you know, it's I blame Chelsea, man. I think Pulisic do really well in AC Milan if he gets the minutes that he deserves and plays consistently at the 10. So y'all let me know. We'll take take callers. I still got the damn. I still got that up. Take callers at 931-603-1476. Y'all let me know what y'all think about Pulisic going to AC Milan. Also, what y'all think about Nashville SC and Surridge, the potential move for a striker in Surridge. Be a good pickup for Nashville. On the Chelsea front, with them wanting a Captain America, I've got a person in mind. I would like it, and I said this last week, I don't want them going there, but Chelsea want a Captain America. They need to go to the Captain America and Florin Balligan. Saw how good he looked against Nuremberg yesterday with Arsenal. He's on the market. I think Chelsea can get him for about $60 million. 70 million, maybe. Yeah, we'll see about Balligan. I don't know where he'll go. AC Milan has a lot of interest in him. Inter Milan has a lot of interest in him. But it remains to be seen. Got a call here. Give me one second. We'll get this caller in here. All right, Austin, man. We got my man Austin in here. What's going on? Hey, man. Um, a little a little bit on the political situation. Um, I think uh, I think people got to realize, too, Italian clubs don't really spend big money. On uh, on role players, bench players, right? So um, they went out and, and and dropped some some serious money on them. So that's a good point. Um, I think he's, yeah, I, I think he's going to start at the ten or as a right wing. I rather him play the ten, yeah, um, because it can. Uh, I think it'll allow him to free flow um, within the middle of the field, kind of work your angle. You know what I'm saying? Make his runs left or right. Interchange uh, I feel with like he'll have that freedom. Yeah, he'd be able to interchange with Leal yeah, on the Leal. left. Yeah, ex- exactly. I think it. I think that would be uh, really perfect too, because then you have a, a threat of Leal coming even, you know, more centrally. Um, whereas, you know, predominantly on the left. I mean, I feel like the ten is the best position for him. I think he'll thrive and excel in it. And uh, I'm hope I'm I'm hoping that's what they they deploy him as. Yeah, I, I think that's what that's what, according to all reports, that's what they've reported that he yeah. would be at the 10 with them. I think it'd be really good, especially with Pulisic and Leal combining with Giroud up front, man. That's going to be a pretty good, pretty good combination there. Yeah. Yeah. Milan's going to be, yeah, they, they got a pretty attacking solid. I, I see. Hey, you see, you seen his jersey number. Yeah. He got and number 11. Up, uh, what number yeah, did he, he get? Number 11, league, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I wore number 11. He, he said he wanted to be like me. He wanted to be like his big brother. <laughs> So yeah, they. Okay, I see. I, I, you made a really good point about Italian yeah. clubs, how stingy they are and cheap. There's, there's some cheap bastards down there, the whole oh, league. Oh man, dude, they, <clears throat> hey, they hold on to that mafia money, man. Yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then hey, ask for King's hey, ransom. Hey, hey. Didn't ask for King's ransom hey, if they hey, sell hey. a player like Osman. They said he's he's worth two hundred and twenty. I said, what the f- two twenty? Hey, they calling up the Don. They calling up the Godfather. They say, hey, it's okay if we spend we spend the bread. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> but you're right, though. Yeah. They spent quite a bit on him, and they, they don't spend that much money r- normally. So if they spend that much on a player, he's not coming in to sit the bench. He's not. Oh no, no, no! I seen once I seen the price tag, I was like, oh yeah, they 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 trying to get him up in there to start. Yeah, yeah. No, nah. it should have been you know what I'm saying like you know a, a third or even half of that. I've been like, okay, he might he might come in for a little cameos and stuff like that. But right. I'm like, though, this is his last chance at a big club, though. I do feel that. I yeah, do think this is his last chance to really kind of like make a make an impression. Like, is he really built for this stage, or you know what I'm saying? But uh, oh, because he's what he's on, uh, he's 24, isn't he? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 20, 23, 24. 24. Somewhere around so there. he signed a, yeah. I'm not sure if he signed a four-year deal or a five-year deal. That'll put him at 24 or 26, Four. 27 when he gets done with that deal yeah, or he's up for another transfer. So uh-huh. you're right, man. After that, I mean, he's not, it's not looking good for him because he's been, he's had a lot no, of minutes no. throughout his career, early in his it career. He's played quite deal. a bit. It was a four-year deal? Yeah. Yeah, it was a four-year deal, which I like. It works out for him because, um, uh, you alluded to it, and uh, I think the last the last show or two shows ago, where you said that uh, if things aren't working out, I mean, a year before the World Cup, you know, you kind of in third year of the contract, uh, yeah. a club is looking to sell you. So you know, what I'm saying go and find anybody, anybody that he can go to to get some consistent minutes for the World Cup. Right. Um. So so it, it works out for him, but I think he's gonna do well there. No, I think he'll do well too. What do you think about uh, the National SC game against Philadelphia Union, man? Were you able to go to that game? No, I didn't go to the game. You know what I'm saying? I, I was in there, you know what I'm saying, grinding, working, uh, being a hardworking man. But uh, <laughs> but I did but I did uh, get a chance to watch the replay of it. Uh-huh. Um, I, awful. Awful. Horrendous. I don't think they played like, terribly, but it's just a matter of them not finishing their chances, man. I feel like they were more unlucky than anything. Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, a, a, exactly. That's more of my point. Like, you know, I, I could count two, maybe three goals in the first half alone that, like, you, the, those are, you have to cash those in. You have the, uh, fucking the, Burnberry. The Bunsberry. Yeah, yeah. Just, Buns. I mean, just not even put it on frame. Yeah. Put it on frame. If it gets saved, if it gets blocked, deflected, something like that, okay, I can live with it. You know what I'm saying? I still think you got a score. Right. I can live with it. Man, you damn near took my satellite out. Man, uh, hitting that thing over the crossbar! Oh my <laughs> god, he's buns. And uh, yeah, he yeah, he's living up to his name for sure. And then you got a uh, uh, I mean, I can't really say too much of a center back, but he tried to scissor kick that thing in. I mean, hey, yeah, I like it. I like the effort, man. But yeah, it wasn't an easy but, chance. You know, but damn, I mean, I like to see it on target. You know, I I, I get he's a center yeah. back, but it's not like it was from fifteen twenty yards out. It was damn near point blank. Right. And he, he didn't have to scissor kick it either. It was going to fall to his feet anyway. He, right. Nobody was within three, four, five yards from him. So he took a tap, tap in. Yeah. But, yeah and then, no, we, and we, then we the chance with Mukhtar, too. He, he was going down the right channel in the second half and uh, dinked it over the keeper and hit the hit the, cro- the fucking crossbar center. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just in, in, insane. Yeah, we, we, need, we, need, we need help big time. And then, you know, we got the, the red card. I, I don't make too much of a like the fishing was horrible, horrible. Yeah. But I hate using that as excuse of why we lost because that's not why we lost. But I mean, no. we just didn't convert on our chances because they both uh, were penalties. The, rec- the penalties weren't wrong. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. The, yeah. The, anybody that I, I seen a bunch of NFC fans uh, complaining on Twitter how they weren't penal. I'm like, those are both clear fouls. Yeah. Like, uh, McNaughton almost like, killed the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like. <laughs> I was like, bro, like, you know what I'm saying? I get with fans at the end of the day, but like, dog, that's foul. <laughs> that's oh, hardly. Yeah. What do you yeah, think about the uh, links to uh, the striker from Nottingham Forest, Sam Surge? Saw a picture with him at the airport oh, yeah. from BNA. I think you sent it to me. Yeah. At BNA with the uh, National SCGM. Yeah, I, I think we flew him in on Southwest. Um, <laughs> uh, if they did internationals, we would. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they put them on Southwest man. first class, man. They, they say, here's the ticket. Come on, man. But apparently, yeah, it was a month ago. Uh, 
you know what I'm saying? I think they, if that's wrong, a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, and there's reports out now, they're kind of still, that's who their, their target is. Yeah. Then I, I think where they're, where they're smoked, there's fire. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that's who they might be looking at. I went back and looked at, looked at some of his tapes. Um, uh, it's actually pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't think he's a long-term solution, even though he is young, he's 24. Right. Because you know, you know, a Premier League player. I mean, he played it not at uh, not at Forest. Right. And you, uh, you have a team like that, or a player like that playing at a club like that, and they come over here, you know, and and put up double-digit goals. Man, that's he's going right back over there. Exactly. So. Uh, you might get if he does come over here and he performs well and does exactly what we need him to do. Um, then I can see maybe a season, <laughs> maybe two at most. Mm-hmm. But um, that's but not the end of the world. That, though, he, you said what? I said that's not the end of the world. I mean, Nottingham Forest only bought him for oh, like two no. million dollars. So if we and he hasn't really performed that well, barring that one year in a championship with him in his first year. But yeah, yeah, you know. If we buy him for what they bought him for at two million dollars, and you know he does really well, we could sell him off for maybe ten, eight million dollars. You know that's a that's a good lick there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. trying, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. We got to come up off the bag, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, long term investment. Hey, uh, yeah, you seen uh, uh Saudi Arabia league or uh, team over there uh, trying to do the same thing with Handy? Oh yeah, really? They, they, they're trying, yeah, they're trying to pick him up off of our hand. They they. They apparently sources have confirmed they have put in a lucrative offer. Now, uh, I don't think he's leaving, just for the simple fact that you know he's uh, he's a little bit up there in age. Um, he's kind of established his roots, his grounds here in Nashville. Yeah, uh, I, I think he. I don't. I hate saying this phrase, but I mean, I think he is a, a MLS lifer. Like, I think he's gonna be here for for the long haul. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know? No, 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 no. I mean, he's. I mean, I think it more has to do with uh, his work in the community. You know, right. he got the the Mukhtar Academy. Yep. Um, uh, he had it. I don't, a lot of people don't know this, but he had his wedding at at Yoda's Park. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, hey, hey, I don't blame him, man. You know what I'm saying? It's I, new. I, I mean, it's alright. probably he probably got a discount no, on renting it out. Not even a dude. He might have got a thing for free. He's a, uh, <laughs> he's a best player. Hey. He said, "Hey, you don't let me rent this out. I'm leaving." Right. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey. I don't know, man. That money has turned heads in Saudi Arabia League. So you know, it's something to be worried about for sure. But oh, if they came in and offered like twenty, thirty mil, obviously, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Hey, uh, we're gonna have to get you up out of here, and you can spend that twenty and thirty mil. Right. You know what I'm saying? Build a a world class MLS team with that with that type of bag. You really could. You know, this is, I mean, I I would hate to see him go, but of course, if a, a move or an offer like that comes in, I mean, you just can't turn that down. You could really oh, set no. up, set up the club for the future. It's almost, it would almost be yeah. like, uh, like what happened with Arsenal in the nineties when they sold Anelka to uh, Real Madrid, I think uh-huh. they were able to build a yeah. whole youth facility off that, a whole training facility off that, you know, it yeah. could be some, some really similar. Yeah, that, I mean that's the that's, that's the the hope if they did put an offer uh, offer bid that that high, right? Um, which would be pretty steep because uh, I I haven't looked at his market value on transfer market, but it has to be somewhere between at I'd least fifteen twenty. 
You think it's up there? Man. I, I think I think somewhere close to like 12, 13. That's the value according know. to them. That's not the value according to National SC. National SC yeah, determines well, what, what the price is. You know, I I know that's what that's what transfer market says, and that's his value on the market, and they've got him at twelve million. They got him at twelve. Yeah, yeah. But he's way more valuable than twelve million, twelve million euros or dollars to National SC. So they wouldn't sell him for that. No, yeah, the the price would price would definitely go up because he's uh he's I mean, I ain't gonna lie, they get rid of him, man. The price of the brick gotta go up until they start rebuilding. Yeah, until the until the rebuild starts, I ain't gonna lie, we're gonna be it's gonna be tough to watch. Yeah, it'd be tough to watch. Older team too. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. So that it wouldn't be. I mean, it sort of would be the end of the world. But if it were to happen, <laughs> it would be great if they spent the money and really beefed up the youth system and like was able to start up a like a really steady stream of getting good youth talent in. You know. That would be that would be ideal, right. and buy a good DP player or two to keep us afloat in that meantime. Buy up some really yeah. good young talents, and I mean, mm-hmm. I think it'd be fine. It'd be shitty in the short term, yeah. but I think it'd be great for the club in the long term. Oh, absolutely! It's at the the club for future. Did you watch the uh, did you watch the US game as well? Uh, I, I watched the replay kind of, of it, man. It was uh, yeah, it was tough. They uh, man, what did you think about? Miazga in the PK when he when he made the PK and come back and yelled at the Panty Man play. I thought that was some fucked up shit, man. Hey, I I ain't gonna lie. You liked it. I like it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just as a as a former player, man, like, you know, I I think look the biggest misconception that people get from soccer is like, oh, it's a soft sport. Mm, it's no, the yeah, for sure. that, uh, this and that. Like, bro, like I don't think people realize, man, like Folks is getting killed overseas over this stuff. You know what I'm no, saying? No, it's a man, uh, this shit's serious. Yeah, it's a bloodbath. Uh, yeah. and I, I like the, the the fire competitiveness stuff like that. I mm-hmm. think a little bit overboard. Yeah, probably, but um, uh, but no, I I think though if you if you gotta talk, man, you gotta wait till a little bit at the end. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, yeah, yeah, your boy Matt Turner. Hey, he's a monster. Yeah, man. one of them where. He, yeah, one of them though. He he probably should have got. But ain't yeah, that's a PK you know though, man. That's you know penalty <laughs> kicks are iffy, man. He saved plenty to give him to where he can get some slack on one. You know, yeah, he's career like forty forty some percent, right? Which is an, an insane, insane. And he made a really good save uh, on one of the chances the Painted Mountain players had in the box. I think they headed it down and it bounced up, and it's a really tough save for a keeper. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and knocked it back over the crossbar. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. tough. Now I think I think the performance though by the by the team itself, um, you really, uh, I mean, I expected them to get to the final. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people that didn't. Uh, even Vegas didn't have us getting to the final. Honestly, uh, they have Mexico. They I think Mexico was like minus three hundred to win the the tournament, which they probably will. Yeah, they should. Um, yeah, they they should. But we're also deploying our like. <laughs> The team out there, it was you know terrible. I, I, yeah, I, I feel like though that what they should have done is because you know we got the Olympics coming up. Yeah, uh, the U23 Olympics. I think that what they should have done was whatever roster that they were going to put out there for the Olympics, um, and and possibles, put them out there on that Gold Cup roster, get them some valuable experience against you know probably not the best 
you know, the most skilled countries in the world, but yeah. get them some, uh, some international experience. So when they're ready for the, uh, the Olympics, I think that's what they should have done. They should have made it. That is a good idea. Instead of just, instead of just throwing me and you out there and say, Hey, go win the gold cup. Right. Yeah. yeah that, that's uh, a really good idea. They, looking back at it, they probably should have done that to be honest. Yeah. Oh, uh, Japan did that, uh, years ago, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They sent out, uh, for like a little, they, they got invited to, um, Pope America. Yeah. And so they sent out their, what they were going to send out for the U23 squad. Right. They didn't make it out the group stage, but they got three valuable, uh, game, game time experiences against three really quality nations. Mm-hmm. And they ended up making it to the, uh, Olympic semifinal. Right. Later on. You know what I mean? So that, that experience kind of adds up. Yeah. It ain't like uh, it's a waste, count. you know? Right. 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 Exactly. What do but, you, uh, what do you think about the odds for DeAndre Hopkins coming to the Titans? Hey, uh, uh, hey, in your words, I put a little, little thigh wow on it. Uh, <laughs> put a little thigh wow on it. Uh, no, nah, I think, uh, I think it's a pretty good indication. I do. Feel, I, I've always felt like he was coming here. I mean, cause it, it increased when they signed, when the Patriots signed Devontae Parker, when they signed him for that mm-hmm. three year contract. I was like, yeah, I think we're going to sign him. Right. Um, because I think we have the ability to go find money where we want it. Right. And we also have the biggest need of all, all the teams. Like, the can't, like, people have been throwing out, oh, he's just waiting on Kansas City. He's just waiting on Kansas City. But Kansas City doesn't have the money right now that we do. No. So they may want them and they may offer like a, like a three, but all they can offer is like three, four million dollars a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if they don't extend much. Chris Jones, you know, yeah, if they they're able to extend with, him, then with, that's that's trouble, boy. But I don't think I think we we put in a high offer mm-hmm. that made other teams be like, "Hey, I don't know about this one." Yeah, and I feel like even if a team counter offers and they go higher, I think we go higher even or again mm-hmm. because knowing that we need it, like they they they. they they said that even though, you know, when we didn't draft a receiver in the first couple rounds of the draft, that they were going to fix the ball receiver room. Yeah, they did. They, they were confident about that. <laughs> yeah, they, they promised that they were going <laughs> to fix the receiver room. So uh, this, this is your, you know what I'm saying? They can't, they can't let him go. Right. So I, I think, I think he's, uh, it's just all formality at this point. I feel like uh, within the next week or so, because training camp is in 11 days. Yeah. I think they signed him right before training camp, get him in here, get him acclimated. Um, and, and things of that nature. So, uh, hey, I think hop is on the way. And hope. I'm hoping. I think if he, I think yeah. he, this is personal, my personal opinion. I think he has a soft date in mind with training camp of when he wants to be in. If we don't yeah. get him by that soft date, I think it's, he's good as gone, to be honest, unless the Chiefs just aren't able to free up any money. You know what I mean? But I hope, right. I hope Carthen and Vrabel were able to tell him on his visit that, hey, we're going to offer, hopefully they told him that they would match the highest offer from any bidder. You know, I'd imagine that's what they did. As desperate as we are, surely that's something in the in the back of his head that he's just waiting on a team to come in to try and see if he can improve on that money. If he can't improve on the money by training camp, then he ends up with us. Hopefully that's the thinking that he had. That's what that's what I'm, my opinion of it is. Do you think that's something that he would oh. be thinking in that aspect? Oh, for, uh, for sure. Um, you always got to, you know, use your you got to use leverage in the situation. Um, right. Cause really there's no incentive for him to sign right now. No. Um, zero. So, 
I think though that I think he is going to try to wait it out until training. I, I do think that he's going to sign before training camp only because um, I feel like he he's one of those players like he's going to get his days off. He's not going to be out there crying and like uh, a dude that's trying to make the roster is right. right. He's out there every day practicing, grinding. He's going to have his days off. Vets have their days off, stuff like that. Right. Um. So, but I I do agree that he is trying to drive the price up. And I, As he should. I don't blame him. Go get the bag. But um, I, even if the chief, like you said, even if the Chiefs uh, re, or, uh, resign um, uh, Chris Jones and they free up some money to sign him, mm-hmm. I still think we can offer more money now. Whether if we if they offer if the Chiefs offer what we offer now, Over. I ain't gonna lie. It might be a little bit of yeah. It might be a little bit of trouble because not only do you get the money that you want, you also you know, or competing on a better team. Like, exactly. Just keep, keeping it real. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to they gonna send uh, him the private plane this time. Surely uh, they Southwest. will. Surely yeah, he don't fly yeah, Southwest yeah, the next yeah, time yeah. he comes in. Yeah, no, he, they got to send him the charter flight. Um, <laughs> it's Amy's uh, personal plane. Yeah. Uh, better be picking him up. I better, you know what I'm saying? You know when the, the pictures come out on Twitter, where they where they hop off the the plane, the videos and stuff like that. Yeah, if I see him. Uh, somebody from the Titans facility hold up a a D hop sign in the little waiting area at the airport. At BNA, yeah, I, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a serious organization. Yeah, we can't be doing that now. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Uh, I'll let you go. Looks like looks like we're on the forefront of getting them, according to reports of sportsbook. So, man, well, let's pray. I guess. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We can use them. All right, man. Appreciate you calling yes, in, Austin. Sir. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. All right, that's my man Austin calling in. Gonna wrap this thing up, man. It's been a great show. Uh, touched on quite a bit. Make sure y'all subscribe to YouTube, TFTV Sports. Subscribe on Twitch, TFTV Sports. Follow on all the socials at TFTV Sports and on threads and Instagram at TFTV.sports, man. We're gonna be back on Monday. We'll be back on Monday at 7 o'clock, bright and early for the Sports Section Morning Show. Of course, this is Episode 8. We appreciate everybody joining. Uh, We'll be taking call-in guests, of course, on Monday also. So make sure you all join. Call in live if you're able to, or make sure you listen on all the streaming platforms whenever it gets released. This will be out today. So once again, appreciate you all joining, man. Y'all have a good one. Have a safe weekend, and see you all on Monday.